Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Realizing how much money you can make by high rental yields and, and not buying in mine towns, but buying in towns that you know have a slow growth but also high rental yields, so you get the best of both worlds to work towards our, our financial freedom. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we chat with Christopher Keast who from humble beginnings rose to become a successful property investor while managing three companies simultaneously. Keep listening to discover the story behind Keast's property journey, the struggles in his day-to-day life and his current direction with his investment career. Keith has been running three businesses for three years, all of which are in different industries. We own a small um, cleaning business, doing carpet cleaning. Uh, we also run a pest control business and a uh, specialised cleaning business. So we've got three businesses that we, we try to run, me and my wife. Um, and basically, that's my background on employment. I've been in business now for approximately three years. Um, and started with the bare essentials and, and built our business into what it is today with uh, a number of vehicles and staff working for us. After injuring his back, Keith retired from his day job and stumbled upon clinical forensic cleaning, which he turned into his new career. It was sort of by accident. I uh, I actually I started, I, I injured myself um, and I wasn't able to carry out my normal role at work and uh, because I, I basically had nothing else to do, I had to apply for another position and I got back into cleaning because that's what I originally done uh, about 15 years ago and um, basically just started doing that after hours when I wasn't at work doing my normal um, normal job and uh, it just grew from there and, and here we are today. So I started with just general cleaning and uh, my background originally also was... Uh, a retained firefighter for Fire Rescue New South Wales. And um, so it gave me the experience and understanding of um, dealing with uh, different scenarios and uh, that also led for me to get into specialised cleaning, so forensic and hoarder cleans and, and stuff like that. So it was sort of accidental and it just took off and I found that I was really good at it. And uh, yeah, basically that's, that's how that unfolded. Forensic cleaning requires in-depth specialisation, which Keist has perfected. We specialise in drug paraphernalia, um, deceased estates, um, you know, attempted suicides and things like that. So someone's got to go in and, and pick up any sharps or clean up any uh, bodily fluids or blood uh, or drug paraphernalia. Um, so, yeah, we specialise in that and, and we've done, you know, many training courses um, on that to sort of, you know, always do our best at what we do and the documentation and the chemicals and, 
and um, you know the safety side of it is uh, quite extensive. So yeah, no, something really different, and, and we enjoy our job and and meeting different people and under different circumstances. Uh, it's something that I enjoy doing. Like most successful CEOs, Keith starts his day bright and early in the morning, managing his property portfolio and his three businesses. I'm a bit of an early one. I I tend to work better first thing in the morning than I do at night time. So I normally kick off at sort of 4.35 a.m. in the morning, um, get down to my office around 6 a.m. And from there, I, I do all my admin side of things and, and scheduling. Um, and then I like to try to get sort of half an hour to an hour just to spend... Uh, researching property, um, you know, or just just listening to webinars or anything like that that um, I guess can can help me uh, with my property journey. And then, uh, yeah, we just my normal day sort of commences, you know, around six and doesn't finish until um, it finishes. So it could be five, six o'clock at night. Um, you know, prior to the last sort of six months, it was nothing for me to do twelve, fifteen hour days. So. Um, I like to work and I've got a goal in mind and, and that's what drives me to, to get up and, and do that day in, day out. Understandably, Keith's life is extremely chaotic with all his responsibilities. He utilizes a bunch of scheduling tools to help him keep his life in check. I do my best. I, I carry diaries. I put notes in phones. Um, I, I, those that know me know that I do forget a lot because uh, I do have a lot on my plate. Um, we try our best and, and we run many scheduling apps where I can actually put all my information in there. Um, I've got a great team behind me and um, they basically, you know, remind me of, of things that may I may have overlooked. Um, and my wife, um, you know, she also writes me notes day in, day out. But it's nothing for me to always ask her, what time was that when we have to you know, pick the kids up or, or do something for dancing? So it is very hectic. Um, but as I said, I've got a goal in mind and uh, I'm willing to just keep pushing through and, and build my business and build my property portfolio to um, give me the outcome that I want uh, in the future years. Keith grew up in Orange and moved to Sydney in 1997 to pursue more career opportunities. I was born and bred in uh, Orange, New South Wales. Um, I grew up um, in a housing mission home with my mother and my stepfather and basically went to uh, the public school system. Um, and then sort of from there, I guess schooling wasn't my uh, my forte. Uh, I met my wife when I was uh, 15, actually, and we, we met then, and I basically... I enjoyed school, but I didn't enjoy the actual classroom side of things. So in Year 10... Uh, I wasn't doing real well, and, and uh, after many meetings, I was told that you know maybe year 11 and 12 is not for me. So I left school, and um, me and my wife decided that in 1996 or 1997, um, we were going to move to Sydney to basically start uh, a new life and um, meet new friends and and start saving for a for our first home. Um, and then in Year 2000, we moved back to Orange um, to pursue purchasing our first home, which we did so in 2001. And um, basically, yeah, that's about it. So I, um, I basically got into property after um, getting into 
um, a working life down in Sydney. By fate, he met a wealthy property investor while he was working in Sydney. And this encounter inspired his own career in property investment. We moved down there and uh, in our little $1,000 car and I had no job and a, a large phone bill that I should never have got a phone back in those days. It was when we paid a dollar for a phone and, and signed up for a two-year contract and had a large phone bill and, and basically no job and I got into landscaping down there and um, that's where I met, um, I guess, uh, the first person I ever seen become very wealthy off property. Uh, we were landscaping a job down there, and, and back in 1996 or 1997, um, spending a million dollars on landscaping alone is, is a substantial amount of money. And um, this gentleman, he was there every single day, and, and we worked day in day out for a whole year. And I got to know him and his wife, and I actually sat down at lunchtime one day and asked him what he'd done for a living, and. Um, Property is what he told me he'd done, and, and that was something that, you know, triggered something in my mind, and I knew that, you know, if he could do it, why can't I do it? And, and that's what I set out to do. So tell me, this million-dollar landscaping they're doing, was it for his own home or was it for one of his, like, um, properties? It was his own home. It was in Dural in, in um, Sydney, and uh, it had private tennis courts, swimming pool, you know, maids' quarters a lot. It was unbelievable, his property. Um, we started there every day at 7 o'clock in the morning and, and finished every afternoon at around 4 or 5 o'clock. Keith worked extremely hard in Sydney to save enough money for his first home. So I'd done that uh, Monday to Friday and then I worked casual as a security guard in the city or uh, out at Seven Hills. So that's, you know, we saved all our money while we lived down there and when you tell people you need to Sydney to save money, they, they sort of have a little giggle. Um, but that's that's what me and my wife done. We moved down there and, and basically just really hooked in with our working career and um, um, saved to to help us get our first deposit for our um, first home. However, while working with a wealthy property investor, Kiss did learn a thing or two about property investment from listening to his stories and how he could kickstart his journey into the industry as well. I remember saying, oh, you don't mind me asking, can I ask what you do? Because you always seem to be at home. Um, and he was telling me how when he was a, a young kid that he had a family member pass away and um, he was left a, a house. And he said, so I rented that out. And then he said he was able to use the income from that to help purchase another house. Um, and he said, and then I just kept buying more and more property. Um, he didn't tell me what his portfolio was at the time, and look, I probably wouldn't remember anyway. Um, but I remember just sitting down listening to him and, and looking around at what he had, and I thought, you know what, like, even though I was born and bred in a housing mission home, um, and look, my parents worked, um, there's more out there. You know, we can achieve these goals, and that was something that I just remember going home excited and um, thought, you know, just seemed too easy. What he was telling me seemed too easy. Um, you know, buy a property and, and rent it out and use the income from there to buy another property and, and so on. And, and like he said to me, um, you know, don't go buy one property, um, you know, worth a substantial amount of money. Go buy two properties worth half the value. And at least if one goes vacant, you've got the other property there. So that was something I always hung on to. And, and that's basically how I even started my portfolio. Rather than go buy, you know, two properties worth five hundred thousand or six hundred thousand. 
I went and purchased two lower end properties, um, and you know one um, was my first purchase, and then after about twelve months, I purchased another one, and that set up our property journey. Um, so yeah, I didn't get too in debt because I was only a young fella, and I was only about nineteen or twenty uh, at the time. Or oh, no, actually, that's not probably around seventeen at the time because um, I had my pay plates. But yes, you know. I, I didn't go digging too deep, but it was just listening to his stories, and I thought, wow, this is, this is awesome. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Keith's property journey where he shares the story behind his first investment property. So that was my first property, and at the time, there was no skill in it. It was just basically I, I offered below arts and price at the property because I knew no one had turned up and it needed work. And I used that to my advantage and said, we need to pay it. The problems he's run into while cross-collateralizing? The banks wouldn't release uh, our deeds for our house. And even though that we owned our house outright, um, they still wouldn't release the deeds because this house was secured over it. Why he believes high rental yields are so important when it comes to investing in property? We need to start looking at uh, positive gear properties with good rental yield because we're not high income earners. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shump and you're listening to Property Invest Story. Hey podcast listeners, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, then register your interest at propertyinveststory.com. When you sign up, you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and I only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, visit propertyinveststory.com. Now back to the show. Keith came across his first investment property with a lucky coincidence where he was able to purchase a decent house for a more than decent deal. So my first property, we always wanted to do it and... um it was funny how it turned out because I went and picked my mother up for morning tea and um, the area that she was living in was getting worse and worse and, um, you know, it was getting more run down and and she couldn't go out and it was more, it was such a violent area. Um, and we picked her up and I was driving up uh, along that sort of side of town and I seen a sign up in the corner, which is sort of, you had the, the, the bad end of the street, but towards the other side there was, the cheaper income earner homes, and um, but it was they were all privately owned homes. They weren't housing anything. There was a sign on the corner that said open home. So I said to my mum, "Let's pop down and we'll have a look." When we turned up to this property, it was a little duplex, three bedroom, um, two bathrooms. So I had an ensuite, double garage, and a little workshop off the side. Um, and the lawns would have been two foot tall. Um, it was it needed painting. No one had turned up to the open home. There was only us there, and um, I basically made an offer on the property at the time, and and I said to my mum, you know, is this somewhere you'd live? And she went, yep. So we, um, I put the offer in on the property, and it was accepted within a couple of hours, and uh, away we go. It went. Keith's mother is still the tenant in the property to this day. So that was my first property, and at the time there was no. Skill in it. It was just basically I, I offered below arts and price at the property because I knew no one had turned up and it needed work, and I used that to my advantage and said we need to pay it. And, you know, we needed to 
look after the gardens and, and renovate a few things on the home. Um, and there was no actual strategy or looking at property rental yields or anything like that. I just thought, oh, well, you know, it'd be good. Have a good tenant in there because it'd be my mum's, so it'd be long term. And, um, you know, she's still in that property to this day. Um, and, and that was our first property. So that's how that one came about. And, and that was very, well, that was our first investment property. So that was very easy to set up um, and, and get that one rolled. In another lucky coincidence, Keith bought his second investment property opposite this home as well. So this one was based in Orange um, and it was sort of in the lower end of town, so where there's, there's a lot of uh, housing commission homes, but in saying that, this was in a new subdivision um, that they tried building um, that a lot of private um, homes were bought there um, and it was right up the top of the street, which now um, there's a lot of commercial buildings there, you know, we've got a local Harvey Norman and and um, super cheap auto and all that that's been built there in the time. Um, and basically, I bought my second investment property opposite that house uh, in the same street. Since then, Keith has bought many other investment properties and has even settled in his own home. Originally, our, our property goal was basically to have a couple of investment properties as per what you know I was told in the day and, and from books that I'd read. You know, you buy a couple and you hang on to them and then you sell half of them down to pay out your debt. Um, so our original goal was to own our own home by, by the age of 40 um, and have a couple of investment properties and then by the age of 50, sell half down. Um, however, that's changed because we, we were able to pay off our, um, our principal place of residence um, by the age of 38. Um, and in saying that, we'd built and bought, um, sorry, we bought and built um, around six homes in since 2000 and, 2001 um, until current. So, and we started off small. Our first home was uh, around 16 square metres um, and we paid, I think it was about 69000 for the block of land and 108 for the house. Um, and we sold that property in 2004 um, for 307000 So that gave us the bug then that we thought, well, we can keep we keep building and, um, new homes. We should be able to own our own home by, you know, our third home or fourth home. But unfortunately, as you get older and um, you keep achieving new things, your taste gets more expensive. So the homes kept getting bigger until we're in our final home now. While he knows that many investors advise against owning your own house, Keith believes it is a must due to his personal circumstances. This is our sixth home that we've built um, and we've managed to pay that off. So we owe no money on that at all. Um, and look, it's a different... Everyone has um, different ways of investing and a lot of people say you're mad, you shouldn't pay off your own home. Um, but as I said, our original goal was to own our own home and be debt-free due to um, my, my injury on my back. But, you know, if I ever had to quit work, at least we had a roof over our head and didn't have to worry about a mortgage. So one way to survive uncomfortably um, and still have a good life. So Excellent, excellent. So over that period of time, you've, you've purchased and um, continued to hold on to these properties and accumulate up to now six properties, as you mentioned. And also, I guess over that time, have you constantly been purchasing in the same area of Orange or did you start to diversify into different parts of Australia or stay in Sydney? We've 
done what you shouldn't do. So they say you shouldn't put all your eggs in the same basket. So we, um, our, our principal place of residence, we, we bought and sold, bought and sold, um, and we lived in there. However, um, just recently, we sold the property that I was talking about that was opposite the one that my mum was in, um, and we used that just to pay out the last little bit of our home loan. So we purchased that property in Orange. It was a bank repossession. Um, we were sitting on the front porch when they put the, the notice up on the front door stating, stating that the property had been um, repossessed by the bank. And I was straight onto that and, and rang up and um, basically same scenario, put in an offer on that. Um, got them to agree, agree to that offer within the hour um, and we purchased our second investment property. Our property there, I think we only paid uh, $195,000 for it at the time. Um, and we sold that this year for $305,000. Realising how his profits can help fund more of his property investment journey, Keith now focuses on properties with high rental yields. Here's profit from that to pay off our own home. And then since then, that sort of gave us the bug then that, hey, let's, let's really start researching this. And I had a bit of time up my sleeve and, and started chatting to people um, of different scenarios and and then we came up with um, we need to start looking at uh, positive gear properties with good rental yield because we're not high income earners. My wife's only ever worked casual. I've had a full-time job but they've never been high income jobs. Um, so we had to change our strategy and, and go for high rental yields. So I, um, I found another property in Orange that we were able to purchase um, recently we paid, it was around 307000 uh, We've just had a bank valuation done on that one. Um, it came out 360000 Now, we haven't even owned that one for 12 months. Um, and we only spent, oh, it was under $20,000 on renovation on that one. The same week we settled on that one, I was able to, and I didn't even view these properties, um, the, I ended up buying a block of units, three units, here in Orange as well, that required um, some renovation work on it. So I actually had my wife's mother-in-law, because we weren't in Orange, go to the open home and, and basically go through FaceTime on Facebook and walk through the property, and I spoke to the agent that way. After focusing on properties with high rental yields, Keith has found much success in the industry. So we purchased that property and, and just recently renovated those, and like... That property there originally was renting for 610 um, and we're currently renting out all three of those and we're bringing in $730 um, per week in uh, rental income on those. So, yeah, it, it went up great uh, in, in the fact of um, yield. So I think we're sitting around 7.2% yield on that. Our house that we got um, recently as well, it's sitting at 6% and my duplex is sitting around 82 and um, we've just purchased another property which we've exchanged on um, today, actually. Um, and it was a similar thing. I just happened to be at that property doing a quote for carpet cleaning and stain removal and got speaking to the tenant. And she said to me, she's moving out because they need to carry out a heap of renovation work on the property. Um, and then I was able to speak to the um, landlord through the real estate and make an offer on that property. So we've just recently, as I said, purchased that property too and exchanged on that uh, as of today. 
Fortunately, Keith has had no problems while limiting his property portfolio to his own hometown. We're after properties that are above 6% rental yield, but we do need to start looking outside of Orange, and I do understand that totally. But however, if something pops up that uh, I can make money on and increase um, you know, capital growth by carrying out some small renovations in it and also increase rental yield by doing that, um, you know, I think it's worth um, taking the risk and, and having all my properties in the hometown. As for his worst investing moment, at one point, Keith had cross-collateralized his properties. I think we've been pretty lucky. To be honest, the only problem I've had is with because we were so new um, to it and, and we listened to the wrong people at times and all our properties ended up being crossed on our, um, our primary home. So we ran into a few problems with that when we went to sell one property off um, so then we had to try uncrossing our loans. So that was a bit of an eye-opener to realise, hey, we shouldn't have crossed these loans. Um, we should have you know, had them all stand alone. So we're just in the process now, and that's why we had the valuations done to uncross those. So if I had my time again, I would never do it. Um, but it did allow us to get into the property game uh, at a young age with, with minimal income. Um, so there is regrets, but there's no regrets as well, if that makes sense. But um, yeah, I wouldn't do that again. He realised the extent of the problem when he tried to sell a property. So we were financing the full amount, um, and at the time we didn't realise that, like we thought, oh, this is easy, we're getting straight into these with no deposits. Um, we didn't realise that uh, what the outcome would be in the future when we did sell a property or we went to sell our um, primary home. And that was something that um, I've learned from and um, we're just working towards now just uncrossing everything because uh, I think we have a, um LVR of around 54% now. So we're looking at just uncrossing everything and then that should speed up our process too for um, borrowing in the future. Keith believes he made this mistake because he did not have enough of a thorough understanding on putting deposits down and property investment in general. We sold one of the properties... 305000 uh, in the past six months. And when we went to sell that property, we didn't realise that uh, it was cross-collateralised and the banks wouldn't release uh, our deeds for our house. And even though that we owned our house outright, um, they still wouldn't release the deeds because this house was secured over it. So realistically, even though there was no uh, mortgage on our um, primary residence, um, because these properties were cross-collateralised with them, basically there is a mortgage on them. And if if we, I was told by um, the bank, for example, if we were to sell our own home um, for financial reasons or anything like that, the banks could actually force you to pay down some of your debt on your investment properties. So you could lose that all that hard work and money that we'd put in to try paying off our own mortgage. So it, it slowed things down that way and also just not having an understanding of trying to um, put deposits into these homes and, um, you know, being new to investing and not really understanding it has slowed down our, our growth and moving forward and buying more properties. So I've got, got to speak with a, um, a mortgage broker who's basically helped us um, analyse our property and what we need to do to move forward and um, that's part of it. We'll uncross it and then use equity in our uh, investment properties to help fund any future deposits and we'll just keep saving as well 
um, to help fund those future future deposits. And that makes sense. I mean, like it's the the great way to do it. That helps you leverage. So therefore, you can purchase more properties and sell as well too if you need to. Of course, they will cross collateralise. The um, it, it affects your serviceability as well. Um, so and your equity as well. So yeah, it was just one of those those things that we never quite understood. And um, I've spent sort of the last twelve months learning all this new stuff and and getting a better understanding of it. So I knew I had to think outside of the square and, and get some other help to get us through. Yeah, and has there been many costs involved in being able to um, separate these properties? At the moment, there's only been the um, bank valuation fees. When the other one, they wouldn't release our deeds, which meant we couldn't settle on time on the property we sold. We were expecting a bill. However, the investor that bought the property um, was happy to basically agree to put a tenant into the property prior to settlement, um, and they sat and just waited. So we never got actually financially um, punished for being late on settlement on that property. So we were lucky that way. So, yeah, at this stage, there hasn't been a huge cost. But as we move forward and, and probably uh, refinance um, these properties to uncross collateralise and there's going to be fees along the way. Keister since then continued to keep his investment properties separated and as an aha moment has realised how profitable properties in slow growth areas and with high rental yields are. I think it would be about six months ago when I, um, when I first really started sitting down and working out my portfolio and what my new goals were because we paid off our mortgage and it was like, what are we doing now? I was lost because we'd achieved that goal. Um, so we set new goals and that when I worked out my rental yields and what I wanted to work towards in the future, I think that was my aha moment to realise this is possible. We can get these rental yields by small renovations or, or you know, buying homes um, in a good street that are slightly run down and um, getting better rental yields for and, and working towards that and starting to look in other areas and other other towns in New South Wales. And um, I think it just all sort of clicked and made sense. Even though people were saying it's not possible to do it, um, we've managed to do it on the last three properties. So, yeah, I think that's my moment, just realising how much money you can make by, by high rental yields and, and not buying in mine towns, but buying in towns um, that, you know, have a slow growth but also high rental yields so you get the best of both worlds. Um, to work towards our, our financial freedom. So, inspired by Christopher Keith's story, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode where he shares his property investment strategy over the next seven years. By about 2023, we'd look at buying another two or three and then that should start leading towards our goal of basically being financial freedom by um, the next seven years. A book he highly recommends. Oh, look, I have. Um, I think everyone's read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That was a really, really good book. How his impatient tendencies have impacted him on his property journey. So if there's something I want to buy or if there's something I want to do, uh, I don't hold back. I just go do it straight away. I guess I fixate too much on it. <laughs> and that has been... It's, it's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing because... Um, at times, it can upset a few people because I'm so impatient. And that's next time in a future episode on Property Investory. Also, are you interested in small investments with big profits? If the answer is yes, simply text me your email address to 0499 88 to register your interest. When you sign up, 
you'll receive deals at wholesale price which I've negotiated with the vendor. These deals generate positive cash returns from day one and only send these out exclusively to my community. To find out more, text me your email address on 0499881040. Thanks for listening.